0: What it is, RJLA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your Conversation Piece host on RadioJustice.org. Today on Conversation Piece, we revisit a 2018 broadcast where we are up close and personal with playwrights Sardia Robinson, creator of From a Yardie to a Yankee, and Shawnell Curry of Shattered Glass, discussing how their plays inspire women as we call out men to speak out and up for our voices as we remind everyone October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. But first, hear from Brie Parnell of the Women's Leadership Program about their upcoming rally, Standing for Black Girls. Welcome to Conversation Peace.
1: According to the Black Women's Blueprint Nearly 60% of black girls will experience sexual violence by age 18. Nationwide, black girls and women have some of the highest rates of homicide due to domestic and intimate partner violence. As Me Too founder Tarana Burke notes, during conversations about racial equality that dominated the national stage in recent months, there had been little mention of sexual violence. When she tried to raise them, she was told by some that this is not the time. On October sixteenth, join the Standing for Black Girls Coalition Community Action to End Rape Culture and Sexual Violence in Lamert Park, Los Angeles. The event features youth artists, speakers, and organizers including Slawson Girl, Caitlin Parm of Inglewood Helping Hands, LA County Supervisor Holly Mitchell, Black Feminist Skid Row Poet Activist Suzette Shaw, Foster Youth Advocate Ecclesia Wesley, author Sakivu Hutchinson, and Media Done Responsibly founder, Shawnell Curry. The Standing for Black Girls Coalition and Task Force mobilizes for expanding mental health, violence prevention, jobs, housing, and reproductive justice resources for Black, queer, cis, straight, and trans girls in L.A. County. This is Women's Leadership Project, and you are listening to Radio Justice. Way down by to ride the living dead One once said is how we choose to walk
2: Never feeling, never dreaming Letting time tick off the clock Taking the moments of a breeze That winds its way through the trees Taking the moments of a mountain range that stands majestic
0: Welcome to Conversation hey. Piece, Shawnell Curry,
3: Sardia Robertson. Hi. Hi. So Hi. glad to Le- be here.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's, it's good to have you guys back.
3: Yes. yes. Thank you so much. Love being on your show. I love what you're doing and that you're even opening this conversation. It's really important. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, as, as we're going through looking at the media news and what have you, you you know it's hard to look at what you clearly see during the the Senate judiciary committee and to really decide but as as women we know that you are not going to go up there and have these type of details and not be true and it's just disheartening when you hear hear them say well we know something happened Mm -hmm. okay we'll find out what happened
3: right right you know
0: but but before we get into that (laughs) because you know but but we are we are you know but but we do we want to we want to talk about you guys as playwrights and 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 the I, i don't know if anybody remembers um, the shows that we had with you guys on there when we were talking about Shattered Glass when you guys were doing the Hollywood Fringe Festival and when Sardio was on back in April um, when her play was um, com- was um, out th- at, at that time when we're, we're talking about the story behind you guys' plays in those previous shows about these women um, that um, were coming from... Um, horrible relationships Mm -hmm. abusive situations um hostile you know home environments that didn't necessarily start that way and you know we're not going to um re-talk about each of the plays because you guys should have listened to the shows back then (laughs) and you can go back and and revisit those shows but but from yardie to a yankee we know sardia was at home, raised with her grandmother in the rural part of Jamaica and then she found herself having to go to Kingston where it was a whole different lifestyle and she had to take on a whole different persona in order to protect herself Mm -hmm. as, as a woman. And we know with Shattered Glass that Shairi, mm-hmm. that she is coming out of this relationship, this abusive relationship, and there's you guys are talking about misogyny and just all of the, the isms against women. And you use the healing arts yes. to, to soothe that pain and to address that trauma. And I just want us to talk about you guys as playwrights the women behind these stories, you guys who wrote these stories, and how did you how did how did you discover that you were a playwright? Whoever wants to go first?
2: I was born a playwright. That's when my grandmother said that. Hi guys, I'm Sardia. So I'm a little shy, but no, she is not. Wait a minute. We've had the,
3: the forty-five minutes of conversation before we started uh, taping. Right um,
2: I. I started writing when I was five years old. My grandmother said I would write stories and I had this big imagination. So I always create these stories in my head and then they, they sort of became my reality. So I would act and tell them as if they were real to the point where my cousins would say, you know, you're lying. There's no helicopter flying over your head and there's men running around, you know, but it was just that these creative things that was going in my head, it was happening. And, I wasn't the kid that would hang out on the street with my friends and play hopscotch. I just wanted a pen and a piece of paper and just write. And I would try to pretend that I was a director while I'm directing them. And they would laugh. And I'm like, come on, you got to be serious. <laughs> you know, so I knew I had it in me. you know. But life takes other journeys. And you would just kind of just go a different direction. But I'm one to believe that if that was my journey, I would always come back to it. So I came back to it at some point in my life, when I, in my adult years. So, yeah, to answer your question, <laughs> I my grandmother said I was.
0: Your grandmother said <laughs> you were, and you were like, yes, yes. I am.
2: Yeah, and, and I, because I wasn't even sure what a playwright, you know, what is a playwright? Because she's like, but she wouldn't say playwright. She's, she would say, you're an actress. You're, you're a little drama queen, you know, you know and uh, I would write poetry sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and I would write what I was experiencing as a kid, you know, and my mom was in my life and my father wasn't in my life. So that's another story. But I would write all those thoughts and then I would create stories from
0: them. Right. And yeah. then so you you were right about your experiences. Did and you still did that writing in Kingston?
2: Yes. Yeah. Well when I went to Kingston it, there wasn't much writing. <laughs> it was it was a different life. So it was a fast pace. It was kinda like moving from Myth um St. Louis to New York, you know, it's just fast paced and everything got to move, move quick, quick, quick. So it was sort of like that. And my mother just kind of threw me in into school and there wasn't any guidance. So I didn't really know how to express it. But I would talk to my friends, imaginary ones. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's when my mom would say, "Okay, so you want to talk to imaginary people? Let me put you to a, a school where you can talk to imaginary people. And then she put me into a drama school. Nice.
0: So, yeah. So, and then, at some point, did you ever lose your voice, or felt like, like we had said off air, your voice became dismantled
2: i did I did lose my voice a matter of fact, I lost my voice when I came to America mm. because I didn't know how to fit in i I felt left out i felt I didn't feel like I belong, you know I was in this big- different culture, and so I was just. I Pretty much most of my life, most of the four years in, in America, I was quiet to the point where I would label myself shy. Mm-hmm. That's why I used that word earlier. Um, and I, But I wasn't because I would say I'm shy. And my mom would like, no, you're not. When I get home, back to my home in in the house with my sisters, I said, yeah, I'm shy. And they're like, no, you're not. But when I'm at school and college, I would just shut up, shut down because I didn't know how to fit in how to say something, it might come out r- wrong. And with my culture being hard, and you know, they, they might take it the wrong way. And then with my accent, it, it, I just shut up. And I was quiet, but I would still write, but I would just not speak. I, I, I had opinions, but I, I was afraid to say them because I just didn't feel like I belonged.
0: Interesting,
2: and we had this conversation over the phone when I told you that it was mostly coming from African American girls.
0: Right? Yes. Yeah. How how um, American born blacks didn't embrace our our sisters coming from the Caribbean or mm-hmm. coming from other other um, parts of America or coming from the motherland. That and I thought that was weird because uh, you know, like I had told you. By my, my family, we embrace everybody. And my mother, she had all types of friends. And, and my father had, you know, and they both still have all types of friends. So that was really foreign to me that, you know, someone wouldn't, you know, embrace you. Because I know on, on, you know, on college campus, we would you know it was just natural even not even on a college campus but wherever you were and and you found that you were the only black person and then if you saw another black person I would always nod my head or or you know say hi or something like that and not that we have to stop and have a conversation but just to acknowledge that you that I see you Mm -hmm. and 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 I hope you see me Mm -hmm. because sometimes you don't get that acknowledgement back but Oh, I am sorry that that we are like that.
2: Yeah. Well, not everyone. (laughs) I was going to say, I think a lot
3: of that comes from our miseducation from a very early age, how we're age. to hate or dislike ourselves and then the source from which we came. So people coming from the motherland or seem like we have stories that were told to us and images that were placed in our mind about um, that level of, what we consider poverty or not good enough or something. And so there was this need if we're already having so many people who hate us that need to separate ourselves from that, which actually is us, you know? And so, especially at a young age like that, you know, that has to be hard. You're entering into something and have no idea what you have entered into. You're just being yourself and who you are and not really understanding that, you know, just by me being who I am, um, I have entered into... To this multi-layered dynamic of racism and also self-hate, yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome, yeah. To
0: Welcome. yeah. Welcome to America.
3: Welcome, right? Okay, but here we're here to <laughs> change yeah. all yeah. of that. Yeah, like. yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And then
0: Chanel, you, you know, how did you know that you were a playwright?
3: You know what? It, now that Sardia's is talking, you know, a lot of it came from childhood as well for me. My favorite Christmas ever was when I got a typewriter for Christmas. I was so happy. I woke I woke my parents up telling them, look what Santa Claus bought me, brought me. And of course they had just fallen asleep after wrapping the gift. <laughs> but, you know, I was I wanted to be a writer. And I knew that at a very young age. So like five years old, I'm like taking paper and I'm folding it. I'm like, this is my book. And I'm drawing on one side and I'm like scribbling words on another and then I, do you want to hear my stories? Same thing with you. I'm directing. Mine were stuffed down. though, Like, I had my stuffed animals lined up and, you know, doing plays and whatnot. And so there was this very powerful kinship that I had with this muse that was, you know, artistic. And um, when I went to, and I continued to write, so I I loved to write. And then in college, I did put on a couple of plays at school. Um, And it was a almost like a black renaissance on our campus at that time with the plays that we put on. And so it was really powerful. And I saw how people were hungry for this, for this type of art and for this level of art coming from our voices, having our particular unique stories told. And so that really fueled me. You know, then, of course, once I you know, kind of quote unquote grew up and went into the workforce. It became more administration. You know, you kind of, there was this disconnect a little bit from the art. And you know things that we have to do to make a living and be responsible, etc. But there was always this hunger to write, this hunger to poet. I'm a poet as well, and um, and so it finds its way. If it has to knock you on the head, you know, and sit you down for a little bit so that you can write, um, that's what that's what ended up happening for me. So I under I began to understand very early on that this was a tool to connect people and to have. Have our unique stories told but also for healing to take place um, when I grew up I grew up around domestic violence I did and um, and again we were talking about uh, breaking generational you know dysfunction earlier uh, but sorry that was pre pre on the radio we were having a good conversation but we um, Part of that for me, I considered myself shy as well in the outside world, but um, the writing was a tool for me to help me to express my emotions in a place that was safe. It was safe with me, my pen, and my paper. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't for people to read, you know, it was just for me to be able to release and to heal. And as I was in that process of writing, insight would come through. Encouragement would come through. And so it wasn't just um, writing the pain, but it was getting the pain out and then being open to the possibilities of my life. And so that for me was a healing tool that helped propel me into um, the possibilities for my life. And that's something that I want to give as a gift to others.
0: Okay, well. You guys were born writers., <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. without a doubt. I didn't had no idea that you were going to, you know, I didn't know what your answers were going to be. Right. But I, I know that when I had interviewed you guys the first time, that I didn't know where where this thing, this writing thing, Came from, so it happened in our souls. Yes, there we are. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what we we have. We have you guys. We had such a, a a long conversations before we started taping, and Sardia has said that wherever it was that was placed in you, that wherever you're, you wherever you find yourself going, the universe will always bring you back to that place. Absolutely. And and that's obviously what has mm-hmm. happened with you ladies oh, that yes. you know Absolutely. both of you guys um, um plays were in the fringe festival yes. two different times right. sardia has uh, won two awards um from from the fringe festival which she was shocked that that she had yes. received <laughs> yes uh, so so we have we have real playwrights here we have true writers true women who tell their stories in these pieces to heal yourselves first. Yes. So that, that whole journey was healing. But I know we have to go for a break and when we come back, we'll talk about that healing journey and how that can heal other women like Dr. Ford. Okay. And Anita Hill. Yes. And whoever else out there, Angie Birdsong and all yes. the other women. Because we all have have need healing. We everybody. Do. No one is a hundred percent well, but we have to know that we're on a hundred percent journey to wellness Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. i'm angela birdsong and you're listening to conversation piece on radiojustice.org with playwright sardia robinson and Chanel Curry will be right back. Age three in front
3: of TV's house, mesmerized My Muppet Baby's 20 and some change and nothing changed because it's so puppets lately. But who's the puppet when well, we're walking, talking, advertising, sliding by the giant corporations try to have spine And what to say about your character, you swag and bra, you can speak less than 140 characters. Peace to martyrs and much peace to Oscar. Peace to all y'all who fathers your daughters. They're freeze and the globe be getting warmer. And my people getting frame, but they get hanging a diploma. So who do we pay and who? Who do we praise? Pray on each other, but never pray for the people we play. Cancer increase, so I release from the cure for. When chemo's more expensive and the people get poor, short. Sure, working with no benefits, the government don't tell us shit. They relish in the fact that they embellish it. The changes is kind of fit. Come and
0: dance along. Yeah, it's the same song. You could either sing a different tune or join along. Hands up, empty out your pockets and smile we gonna be here for a while Can't so the 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 life, yeah, it's
3: the same song welcome
0: back to the conversation night. Peace. i am your host angela birdsong with authors Saudia robinson from a yardie to a yankee and channel curry of shattered glass whose plays tell courageous stories of deliverance and of hope you guys were writing and didn't understand why you were writing as little girls. Now, or maybe you did. Maybe you knew why you were writing. Maybe it was an escape, or it was a, maybe it was an escape for you. But as you became, becoming young women, and you're still writing, and then when do you realize I got a gift here? And you start to put the words together and share it with other people and people say you got something here let's do something with this and while you're doing this you're getting healed and do you even know that that you're healing or do you even know that it's therapeutic when you're when you're doing this
2: I was writing journals when I start when I had my first son and as a single mom I would write journals at night because that was the only way I could heal myself a little bit it's because You know, I, I I knew I needed therapy, <laughs> but I couldn't afford it. So I would write and kind of get it out of my system. I'd write and I would cry and I would write and I would cry. So I was always writing my story. I was in an abusive relationship. Verbal abuse and emotional abuse. And it if I'd stay, it would have become a physical abuse relationship. And what is it's when that person said to me one day i said i'm going to leave and i'm going to write my one woman show and that person said to me yes you're going to write your one woman show nobody want to hear your story mm. this is a person that i professed my love to mm-hmm. and i was sleeping with mm-hmm. <laughs> so i when i left that relationship uh, it was like a weight Actually, I didn't leave the relationship. He actually dumped me. And when he dumped me, I wanted to go back with him Mm. because my self esteem was so low. And it took about a month for me to look in the mirror and go, "Wait a minute, girl, what you doing? What are you doing? Wake the f up!" My girlfriend said that to me. Wake up, Sardia. You're way talented than this. And that dude is jealous of you. That's what that is. So I just thought, I I call a writer of mine. I said, I want to write my Wanderman show. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And we met every single day for four years. Wow. And we wrote and we wrote and we wrote. And this is how I know it was, I had something. I was at an open mic with it. I was going to read couple pages from it and there were writers there who wrote books and had books on Amazon and they were reading a couple from their pages and everybody was it was a coffee shop and people were still typing and drinking their coffee and these writers were reading and reading and then I went up and read mine and every head was up Mm
1: -hmm.
2: looking at me and listening and the guy who organized it said everybody was listening to you you have to put that on stage. And that's when I walked away and I sat in my car and I go, I took the mirror down and look at myself and I go, You got something, bitch.
1: Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I call myself bitch occasionally, you know, I'm like, bitch, shut up, Mm. (laughs) you know, that's the ego, the ego part, but, but, you know, I'm also a comedian, so sorry if you don't want to offend anybody, (laughs) I'm a comedian, so, but yeah, that's when I knew I had something, you know, but it took me to go through an abusive relationship, several abusive relationships, it took me all around the world, so to speak, and brought me back to that little girl, and when I start writing, that little girl will come through. It, can, it will come through all the time when I write. I would write and I would just feel like a little girl. I'm just excited. I'm just jumping around in my house because I'm writing, especially when it's just flowing and it's yes, good, yes. right? And I would call my friend. I said, listen to this. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm getting chills. So just hearing you read it. So that little girl will just come right back. And that's when I knew I was on to something until I did the first show, the first show I did, and people would would leave. We had to literally kick them out of the theater. Mm. And I knew and one of my friends who was a practitioner at, at Agape, Arlene, came up to me and she said, you know that play was given to you by God, right? Arlene Hilton? That's, she's going to officiate my wedding too. <gasps> That's my girl. <laughs> That's my sister, okay. sister. I love Arlene Yes, yeah. Small world, huh? Yes. And I should have yeah, known. Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. saw my play. Every time I do that play, yes. she's there. Okay. She's even on the trailer when you watch the trailer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she said, this, this is given to you. This play is given to you by God. And it is, it is given to me by God. It's one hour play and I never miss a line mm. and I'm old.
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's embedded in my brain and it's going to put me on the map. It's already putting me on the map. Yes. It's a gift it from God.
0: Right. Cause you have done your one woman show. Internationally. I,
2: yeah. I done it in Jamaica. I done it in the ba- in Bahamas. I did it in Barbados. I done it all over. And every night, shows sold out. And and you always feel like when you do it at home, you always get nervous. For me, because you're doing it in front of your people. Mm-hmm. and you, And, you know, Jamaicans, we judge each other. Like, you better come, good girl. Right. So... When I was doing it in front of them, I was pretty nervous, but they stood and they clapped and they stood and they said, you took me back home, child. Mm-hmm. How old are you? Mm-hmm. You go, you went through that. Cause I went through that and you look 20, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, I went through it, <laughs> but you know, the good Lord is blessing me. So, right. Yeah. So it,
0: it healed, it, it healed you.
2: It definitely did. When I'm going to make this short cause I got to go to you. When I was writing it, there's a, there's a huge part of, of, in the play that I, did, I never talked about. I, I just didn't want to get talked about that. And I had my writer, one of my partner read it. And he said, So Taria, you can't, you can't do this without talking about this. If you're going to do your Warnerman show, you've got to speak your truth. I said, but I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And he said, you have to. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to write that and... I, I mean, I, there was a bucket of water I have to flush down the drain and just keep emptying that bucket because I was just bawling. Mm. Now when I do it on stage, the pain is still there, but it's more of an irony because I'm healing through that because I never once visit my sister since she passed away. Right. Not once mm. did I ever visit her gravesite. I refuse to. So it was hard for me to talk about that on stage.
0: Right. So your play, and I'm sure Shattered Glass too, wrestles with truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and how you bury that truth. Yeah. And just, of course, it takes me to the Senate Judiciary Committee because that's, that's been our soap mm-hmm. operas for the right. last few, few yeah. weeks yeah. where yes. Dr. Ford's truth was buried for mm-hmm. decades. Mm-hmm. For decades. Yeah. She was a teenage girl. And now here she is, a grown-ass woman, mm-hmm. able to tell her truth. I and mean, she got to tell it to millions of people, billions probably. Everybody's watching. And that little girl is in her. Mm-hmm.
2: You never forget that. You never, ever forget sexual abuse. I was sexually abused at 15 by a family member. I still, talking about it right now, I remember the position he put me in. You never, ever forget that i already forgave him and forgave myself for the thoughts that i have against him and the grudge that i and the feeling that i have i forgive myself for that so i can get my blessings and i forgave him but you never forget it ever
3: never forget yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i i truly for dr ford i applaud the courage of her conviction conviction yes. to come forward and speak that um one of the things and one of the reasons that I do write, and I, I did even starting with the book, uh, because the, the play was based on the book, Shirey's Journey Through Darkness Into Light. And I, that was a process for me. You talked about four years. Um, I started writing in 1999 and ended up publishing in 2003. But I needed to go through this healing process, and it was a process not just for me, but for all of the women in my life. When I realized that I could not be in a room of women, and the majority of those women not have some sort of sexual assault story to tell, Mm. or some sort of domestic violence story to tell, I realized, okay, we have to have this air we have to have our voices in the air and so this character shairi which is kiswahili for a line of poetry a line of song this shairi's character embodies these women and all of our unique journeys in overcoming this i think that there is so much shame that's associated with sexual assault, and it usually goes onto the shoulders of the person who is the survivor, as opposed to the person who is oppressing and doing the the harmful act. And this is for both men and women, you know. Um, I teach now in the Media Studies Department at Cal State L.A., and we've been looking at this whole um, piece of sexual assault and looking at uh, the Kavanaugh hearings and the confirmation and all of that from the perspective of how it's being represented in the media, even the ethics behind or the lack of ethics behind her story being leaked before she as a survivor gave approval for the story to go out. And one of the things that we discussed is how polarizing this story has been from a political standpoint. However, sexual assault impacts one in four women and one in six men. So that lets you know that regardless of your political affiliation, it is impacting your life or the life of someone that you love. Mm -hmm. And it is a danger. It is a grave danger to make this be a political, you know, only people who are, you know, Democrats or whatever, where they're using this as a tool to no, um, I, I think right now we are in a very pivotal moment and an opportunity to hear, have our voices heard. I think, as you talked about, the hashtag Me Too movement is really powerful, but we're not in a place anymore where there is a choice. We have to. This is a necessity. We have to become comfortable having our voices in the air, saying our truth, speaking our truth like Dr. Ford did, and having a platform in which to do this. And so with the book... Part of uh, the importance of making this then into a play, and I connected with our our partner, my co-producer, Kelly Nicole, Uh, shout out to Kelly and also to Dolly, who were on the air with us um, earlier this year. Um, Part of the process of making this into a play was so that other women, other men, other survivors could understand that they too can have a voice. They too can tap into whatever artistic expression moves through them. So we have um, the writing, so we have spoken words, dramatic interpretation of that. Then we have the music from Kelly's Beautiful Soul. Um, Then we also have artwork as well. And so whatever particular form speaks through you, is that form that you can now tell your story not everyone is going to be comfortable you know obviously most people are not going to be comfortable sitting in front of the senate you know saying this is my truth but there are other ways for us to do this and I think that being vessels to allow our stories to come through through plays through music through art is very necessary and it allows us to be able to identify with kindred spirits and kindred souls and say, I'm not in this alone. Sister, you are not in this alone, okay? Mm -hmm. This is my story. Mine is coming through song, you know? This is your story, yours is coming through a poem, right? Um, And so I think that's the power then of this art. It's beyond a job, you know? It's beyond a paycheck it is the work of our soul to heal and then also to help to take our country and take our world to a different place where the legitimacy of a woman's voice is honored. The value of her speaking her truth is honored where it's not a question of as we spoke about dismantling her voice, you know, determining, well, you know, do I believe w- whether or not, you know, this happened or, or not? You know, no, this is an issue and we know this is an issue in this country. And so now um, I, I believe it's no accident that this is coming forward with the highest court in our land, our quote unquote Supreme Court, okay. And so I think when we're talking about being able, what the universe does and how it does it, you know. This would
2: be a very short victory for the GOP. Trust me when I
3: say that. (laughs) But just to look at this, like, is our justice system working? Well, we already know the answer to that. But to make it really, really plain, this is something that it is time to have justice take hold true justice truth honoring and so I th- I believe that even though like you said this is a short victory even though it might look like a victory for them we're riled up we're ready to go
2: Yeah, but you know what also I was thinking about this while you were speaking we are not women who are sexually abused including myself we're not speaking out because we want to bring the men down. That's not our intention. Not we're not speaking out because we want to take you off that high pedestal and, and, and take, send you the you know. That's not the po- why we're speaking out. We're speaking out because we have arrived to a place where we have the power and the strength within ourselves to speak out. If someone would just say, a guy, whoever, Hey, Sardia, I know I've done this to you. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. What can I do to make it better? Mm -hmm. I'm so, so sorry. I, I, you know, but this denial thing where they all are denying it, you know, and um, I'm not here. I've been in a relationship right here in in L.A., an actor who is on TV who have physically, emotionally abused me Mm. and sexually abused me. And. He would deny it right now, yeah. Because he would want to keep that the nice. He's such a nice guy. He's so charming. He's mm-hmm. so why that really? He's I know. I mean, I
0: no. right? Right. Yeah. Because right. healing has to happen for both. Yeah. The for, for the abuser to, exactly. and the abuse. Yeah,
3: yeah. You're talking about restorative justice. Yes. That's what you're, exactly. you're That's looking what, at, yeah. and we need to move yeah.
2: toward yeah. that restorative and, justice. And so and many men in the media from. I love you, Bill Cosby. But from Bill Cosby to the president, where women are speaking again about against them as far as sexual assault, not one ever said, "I'm sorry, I right. did it. I'm sorry, right. I shouldn't have. I wasn't thinking. I was stupid. I was dumb." Not one. They just kept saying, "I don't know the woman. I never did it." What are you talking about? That's right. a lie. Ooh, right. ooh. You know what I'm saying? And then that just that just put insult. On what's the uh, the insult on what's the word, injury, injury? injury. Yeah, it, exactly, it, right? exactly. And then when you do that to us, then it, it 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 the anger it anger us to now push forward stronger, you know? Yeah. Because we we are forgiving beings, all of us are. Yes. We we're very forgiving beings, you know. If how many times you have. Somebody cut you off in, in, in a row, in a mm-hmm. car accident, whatever, on the street. And the person just pull up and go, I'm so sorry. And what you say, you go, it's okay. Right. Okay. Right? right. Right. We yeah. are that way. Yeah. All we need is, is just to say you're sorry. Right. Just say I'm sorry.
0: And I'm trying to figure out, you know, and, I, and, I, and I, under, I, I understand why they will lie because they don't want to lose their positions. But at some point, truth has to come out. And you have to be okay with that healing path that you're going to be on. It's not just that you're going to be punished, but there's going to be healing and you saying, I did this and I'm sorry. And we don't create an environment to let the abuser know that there's healing for you, too, in this. We don't want to just punish you, but we want you to be healed. But, but, But our justice system doesn't allow for restorative justice doesn't allow for for a healing process yeah, some, for for the abuser yeah. also
2: I had this conversation earlier with my fiance and he said you see he said the same thing that he's in a position he's fighting for a job whatever whatever but here's the thing I would have so much respect for him if he had said I was 15 this was high school we we're kids I did something stupid Dr. Ford I am so sorry I'm so sorry. It breaks my heart. That would have, to me, I think that would have touched millions of people. Yes. It would have touched the, 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 whoever's making decision, whatever those people are called. I his wife, know. his daughters? You know, his daughters. He would have touched so many right. people. You're saying the
3: Senate Judiciary. Yeah, committee, yeah. Yeah.
2: And even if they're not, vo- if they didn't let, they would anyway, because he's their
3: majority. Well, they did. Anyway, they did it so they anyway. But
2: the point is, I would have so much respect for him, and and that would do, would probably make a shift in the Me Too movement with other men.
3: Yes, we have to be aware as well. This country is really built on denials Yes. So yeah. even though, even for talking Big about time, slavery, girl. okay. Yes folks know well, it happened we got black folks
2: who say they weren't, there's right. no slavery. Kanye well, we, we West, I'm not calling any name but I'm I saying. I was going to say, can we not <laughs>
3: say that name? It's right. really and, and the, the, the
0: genocide but, of the Native Americans Yes, yes absolutely. There's a celebrate. denial
3: of yes. uh, that one that it hap- there's not an acknowledgement and there needs to be an acknowledgement of that for healing to occur but because there is this hunger to hold on to that level of control because if I then admit this then what do I lose you know what what does this now mean Um, and people have to walk around you know with this oh it it doesn't touch me you know or oh this does not harm me yes it does you know and we can look throughout the generations at PTSD. We can look at how it has impacted our society and our communities because we come from this history of enslavement, but then there is a, a grave denial of this. And the same thing with sexual assault. And I do want to go back to one of the points you made about you know men, because men are Also are impacted by sexual assault, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and there is also a great denial of that, you know, they have to keep their chin up. I personally know um, youth that I have worked with male youth that I have worked with who have um, been who are also survivors of sexual assault. And so even them, I feel like right now, um, they are feeling this on a certain level as well.
2: Years ago, years ago, Oprah Winfrey in Chicago did a, a, a show and men. Her entire audience was all male. And all the male in the audience were all sexually assaulted. Mm,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It, it, you can watch it on YouTube. It was so powerful. They all stood up and had the, the said meet, they had yeah. that. Me too or whatever on there. Well, it's time to come together and have
3: this conversation together. And for people, both men and women, who have not had this happen but who are allies, to speak up. Our silence right now makes us complicit in the issue. Yes. Right? And so it's time now, again, like I was saying earlier, in terms of not having a choice, like this is a necessity at this point in time. We have to get out and vote and not looking, not voting to find your savior, you know, but voting to find those people who are going to support the issues that you care about because our lives literally do depend on it. And the next generation lives. And the next, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Your main characters and in, in your in your play yours is of course shairi yes. and sardia's play has 11 different characters mm-hmm. in her one woman show which voice of the 11 characters which aspect of shairi is the voice of healing mm.
3: that's a an excellent question for shairi you see her transcend into this healing process. So it starts off, all of the pieces that come through at the beginning are her in this turmoil. She is still identifying as a victim, but she has stepped outside of that. Just like you told, you know, the guy, you know, or you told him, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing my one woman's show. I'm moving forward. she does literally move out and she does move forward. And so there's courage in that. And there's the beginning seed of healing, even though she's not completely in touch with it. But as you go throughout the show, you see her process and everything changes. The, the set changes. We like build the set as she is rebuilding her life to the point where she goes from being a victim to a survivor but then also going beyond that to a victor in her life. And that's something that we talk about in our workshops, going from a victim to a victor, Um, a victor over sexual assault and abuse, a victor of an empowered life, a victor of a powerful vision for her. So I believe that seed is at the very beginning. And as she begins to reflect because all of this is her reflection. All of this is her connecting. And it's it's been so powerful, the audience response. You know, and I love, that's why we love to do it at the university level, because then we have time for that Q&A where people are saying, you know, I'm crying at this piece because that is me. That is my story. Uh, And I'm feeling that. And so we take the audience along in this transformational process. So they also have those parts of them that become, Become un, a-, a loosened. You know they they're releasing um, whatever their particular tragedy, however they've identified with it, and so they're no longer identifying with that victim, but they're identifying with the survivor, and then they're identifying with that person who is the victor, who can look around and say, I have a powerful voice. I am entitled to this voice by my birthright i am entitled to create a life that is whole a family that is whole um an experience that is abundant for who, who for my life and for what i want and so um you see that transformation process all throughout and at the end you're feeling it as well you're seeing the the whole uh, shape of her all of the the, the um the pieces that we have, you know, on set, all of those have changed. She has changed. What she's wearing has changed. And you see this level of um, almost enlightenment, you know, where she is her whole self again. So I think to answer that question, it's really the process. It's an unfolding. The seed was always there, but then it begins to blossom and bloom throughout.
0: Right. So healing is always there. It's
3: always there, even in that part that feels like you're in the muck Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right. always happening.
0: And you have, a, and you have a, I saw that in your book, you have one that's coming out of the muck. Yes, yes, right.
3: stepping in the muck and, mm-hmm. and rinsing clean. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Right,
0: right. Sardi, who's, who's the healing voice?
2: I would say my grandmother. Because, uh, because my grandmother, you know, the play I started off saying I'm a Yadi, And when she sent me off to Kinston, she said, don't you forget where you come from and where you are and who you are. And at the end, when I got my citizenship, that was what ringed through to me when I sworn in as a citizen. I remember her saying, don't forget where you come from and who you are. So, yeah, it was my grandmother. You know, when I'm on stage, I I always take my ancestors with me. I take my grandmother, my aunt, my sister. I take them all with me. And say, okay, guys, let's go to work. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Yes. And sometimes when I feel like I'm not, as an actress myself, when I'm on stage and I feel like I'm kind of not in the zone or I'm not grounded yet into the storytelling, I would, I, fl- I would flash back to my grandmother, and then I would, it's like a light switch. I would just switch it mm-hmm. and get, come on, let's do this in my head, you know. So yeah, my grandmother is is. Pretty much, I know she doesn't. She only come through one time, when I talk about her, and when she'd send me off. But to Kinston. but she's in all of us. My grandmother is in, is in my mother. She's in me. She's in my auntie, Patsy, my auntie Patsy. She's in my sister. She's also in those bad boys, that I portray, because she will grab a gun too and say, mm-hmm. "Get out of my yard! Mm-hmm. I will shoot you," you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's all that, you know, and some. Right. So it's my grandmother. Your grandmother. Yeah.
0: Okay, you're listening to Conversation Piece on Radio Justice Morning Wake Up Call. I'm your host, Angela Birdsong, and we will hear more from playwrights Sardia Robinson and Shawnell Curry. But before, I do want to read just one thing um, from um, Shairi's journey through darkness into light. It's the epilogue that that we have here. Wherever you are, it is Okay. You will not always be here. This path is sometimes tough. You will go through changes. This too is okay. God's love for you and presence with you will always remain, even when it's hard to find it. You will pass. You will move into and through something new. Always the creator's love and presence goes with you, guiding you, loving you, manifesting light through you. Be a vessel for change. Breathe through what you perceive as pain and embrace joy. Keep your mind focused on the victory of your struggle. I challenge you to face fully. Thrust yourself into it humbly with love. Fear no evil. God loves you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Conversation Peace on RJLA. I am your host, Angela Birdsong, reminding you, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you are in danger, please call 911 or reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 800-799-7233. The Domestic Violence Hotline number is 800-799-7233. Also, for more resources for crisis support, helplines, and warm lines, go to NAMIUrbanLA.org, NAMIUrbanLA.org. I am here with writers Sardia Robinson, from a yardie to a Yankee, and Shawnell Curry of Shattered Glass. Now, ladies, tell me, what is your favorite Or maybe even your less least favorite scene
3: in your plays, if there is such a thing as a least favorite. I'll tell you the one that is everybody's seems to be everybody's favorite (laughs) and it's a piece called Masturbation that's my favorite (laughs) 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 and so we get some hoots and hollers you know in the audience and some mm mm-hmm and shuffling around in their chairs (laughs) when we do this piece but um, this piece really epitomizes this idea of self-love and being able to find the wholeness of that love within yourself without having to seek it outside of you and and it looks not just at the physical aspect you know but it also looks at the spiritual the mental the emotional you know it, it talks about um, this feeling of there's this one line if i am alone i am not alone you know um knowing that what I need is within me at all times. And so it's this piece of, you know, she loves to stroke the kinks in her hair and, you know, and hold herself tight, you know, understanding that she is a support system. And I think that part of the reason that that is a favorite is it's a reflection of who we all are and what we can be when we do look in that mirror and decide to love ourselves to validate our own voices, to recognize our entitlement to our very breath. It is our birthright right. And anyone who tries to challenge it is in the wrong. They need to move over because we have space. It is okay and it is valid for me to take up space in this room. It is okay for my voice to take up space in these airwaves, right? And so this is what that piece helps to remind us of. Let go of that shame, like, like you said, you forgave yourself, let go of anything that would say otherwise, and honor and uphold yourself and hold yourself. It's okay for us to hold ourselves. Part of what I said I wanted to happen when I wrote this book was I wanted to take the things that we feel that we wouldn't say to anybody else. When we're crying on the bathroom floor, those deep sobs, all that stuff coming on out, right? Um, what is it that we're feeling? When we are down there holding ourselves and pulling ourselves up, not to say that we don't need support because we definitely do. But once we begin to look in that mirror and recognize where we are and make a decision to transcend that, then our healing is happening. Then we also are able to help others to heal. So that reflection, that self-love, that giving it to ourselves, that thing that we want somebody else to give to us is my favorite part.
2: Um, <clears throat> the entire play is my favorite. <laughs> yes, And I'm going to bring her a masturbation part in my play, so that would be my favorite too. Um, I, I really do like the section where I confronted the, my high school, my Son's high school teacher who called, called him a colored boy, mm. and at that point I, I channel, my grandmother, my aunt, my auntie Patsy, my sister Marva, and and I just went there with you know. So that was my favorite part. I always get good reaction from that, and I also love playing my auntie Patsy, cause she's a nuts. She's very out there, so I love. That's one of my favorite parts here, right? That one and that one. The others are a little emotional for me because it really took me back. And if you see my play, if you ever get a chance to see me on stage, you know that I actually relive every single moment of my play. So I take you on this journey. So it, when I take you back, it, I take myself back so you can come with me. So, it's, so it's, uh, it, 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 once I'm out of it, I go, wow, I actually went through that. And here I am now. You know, I came out good. You done good, Sardia. So.
0: Right. So there's you know, so a,
2: anything to do with laughter is my mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah.
0: Right. And and I guess, you know, with with you guys and I haven't seen Shattered Glass and I feel really bad about that. Okay, I got it. I got to catch it. Yes. yes it's, it's, I, yeah. I have to do that. Um, but I can. Since we're talking about tragedy and then, of course, I know there must We I know there's comedy and mm-hmm comedy comedic moments Mm -hmm. and and um from a yardie to a yankee so somewhere in there there's a cusp between tragedy and hilarity and in your plays and i'm being told we got five more minutes so so we're not going to be able to get 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 into talking about about that cusp part um but that's that's the healing part, probably, huh? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, if you if you watch... I mean, real quick, if you watch any dramatic show, any movies, anything dramatic, there's always a, a comedian, somewhat a comedy relief in it because yes. you can't drown the audience. You know, they, they'll be just dying to get out of that, that, uh, that theater. So when I wrote mine, I wanted to... As a comedian myself, I wanted to put comedy in it, you know, because comedy is actually... Brought me where I am because if I didn't stop and laugh at myself sometime, you know, I probably would kill myself, right? So I have to stop and say, You know, you're stupid, Tardia, or that was crazy. Oh, were you drunk when you were dating that dude? <laughs> you know, I had to laugh at some stuff. So sometimes my tragedy is your comedy. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to do tragedy on stage for people to see me, I have to put comedy in it so they so, so to let them know it's okay. You mm-hmm. can laugh. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put comedy in. Right, my... the comedies. In yeah,
3: we yeah, we do. We, do, we do, I wouldn't say that it's filled with comedy, but there is light parts to it. You know, there are parts where we get the audience laughing and like, hmm I remember that, and, you know, those types of things. And we don't stay in the heaviness, you know, for long. And um, part of it for us is transcending that heaviness with greater insight, greater lightness. And you see her lightness comes through comes through and the audience also has that as well. But absolutely for me and I, I was thinking as you were speaking, it's important for us as those people who are the vessels to bring this work forward that we also do self care. Right. And laughter is a big and part of and sometimes when you
2: call your girlfriend when you're going through moments and you call your girlfriend oh, yeah. as soon as you go through the dramatic part at the end of the conversation you both of you are Hello. laughing like laughing yes. crazy yes because I yes. do that all the time yes. I call my girlfriend I'm like girl I tell you what he did to me right. and she's like girl oh, I'm gonna kill him right. well we can find him right. and by the time we're done we're like girl <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly exactly we're laughing and that is a so release. laughter is a healing process yes. it's, it is absolutely you know you gotta laugh man it's not so serious Right, got laugh some
0: Yes. And we've been laughing today for oh. sure. Yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. yes we,
3: have. we have. Yes. I have a new kindred spirit right over here. Right. right. So, yes, absolutely.
0: Right. Now, what's next for you guys? Chanel.
3: So, for us, um, we are continuing with uh, going on our college tour. So we're doing a lot of planning and working with universities on bringing not just the show, but the show and workshops um, to schools. This way, with the workshops, students can really dig into their own personal stuff and we help them to find their points of transformation through their art. So they're able to create art. They're able to define their own stories. And so our story becomes an exemplar, an example for them to model and to follow and so I love that because I absolutely love hearing back from the audience right for me I love that call and response type thing and sometimes even when we put on the show we have um, audience members creating stuff you know um, so we've done that the workshop within the show as well so I'm excited about that and you just gave me a little insight a download as well about having a documentary I'm like hmm, you know maybe we should look at into that as well But um, but for now, we are definitely moving into back into the college sphere with this. What's next for me? Uh, I have a show coming up one night
2: only. And um, I have a couple of film in in the works, which I can't talk about. And um, the universe got so much stuff for me. I'm just I just wake up every morning and I said, what's next? I'm ready. You ready? And he's like, yeah, she said, Mother God said yes. And I go, "Okay, let's do it. So that's what's happening.
0: Okay, so Sardia Robinson.com, Shattered Glass Show.com if you need more information about their theatrical productions. Once again, thank you to my conversation piece guest Sardia Robinson, Chanel Carey of Shattered Glass thank you to Leslie Radford, the visionary of RGLA. Thank you, Adam Rice, program director and engineer for today's show. Michael Washington, M. Wash Soul, for the opening and closing theme song and always you, our RGLA family. Please follow us on Radio Justice Facebook. Give us some love. Give us some likes as you listen to us worldwide on RadioJustice.org. I am Angela Birdsong once again. Thank you for allowing me to share this special experience A conversation piece on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be brave, be courageous, and let all that you do be done with love.